When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. fans it's monday night the sun is down which means it's time for another round of chgo bears after dark powered by points bet use promo code chgo when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars what's going on everybody will do it nicholas moriano we got cody from the cub slash bets and of course greg Braggs. we're here for a chgo bears after dark special and it's going to be a lot of fun just kind of hanging out here throughout some of these monday night games there's two of them here tonight and it's just i'm excited just to kind of gain everyone's perspective about last night's bears game too after a night to, i almost had sleep on it but i didn't fall asleep until four o'clock in the morning and i was up by seven so i barely had time to even do that but nick i want to go over to you first how was your trip over to lambo yeah it was it was really good you guys it was my second time being up there and both times i've been up there i've seen bears lose in prime time on sunday night football but it, it was a good experience. The vibes were um, everybody was feeling it right before the game. You felt the excitement around Lambeau Field, as you usually do when you travel up there. And, you know, and we'll probably talk about it throughout the night, but, you know, the Bears just kind of squandered way too many opportunities throughout that game. And, you know, in the locker room, you just, it was just, obviously, you were in the locker room last week, Will, and just kind of seeing videos that circulated from there completely different vibe you guys very quiet you can hear a pen drop guys just going straight to the showers like hey let's get out of here but obviously that wasn't our best performance and i I get it it's it's the green bay we've seen those happen a lot over the years but yeah it was a good experience second time like i said second year in a row being up there just you just hope for a different result at some point yeah, obviously, it's been uh, far too long. Cody, what's better, Lambeau Field or Wrigley Field? Uh, uh, I think that's an obvious answer. Uh, it is definitely Wrigley Field. That is that is heaven, uh, in, in my opinion, <laughs> my, my highest opinion. Uh, historic, but I'll, I'll take the oh, greatest. Cody, 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 are you hardwired? Do you need to reset that Wi-Fi? I am. Wow. I am hardwired. Can you guys hear me? 
I it was in and out, and you kind of got you know frozen over there too. A little, la- a little lag, a little bit. Okay. Well, I am wired in, guys. <laughs> well, you do the best you can. Technology has a mind of its own sometimes. Greg, I know we're still getting to kind of know each other a little bit more. Are you a Sox or a Cubs guy? I'm a Cubs fan all Ooh. day, every day. Room divided right down the middle. Nick yes. and I are south side, uh-huh. and then we the have the north siders over there. That's actually... side, and then the, <laughs> then the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys sure. have been through a lot this year, though, so we'll we'll go easy on you. It's a big week for Sox fans. The, yeah. the Bears all do love about being a Bears fan is it Cubs and Sox together. We can all, like, be pissed off or angry about the same thing. Yeah, this, this is what you know makes this hangout a lot of fun, Cody. Because you're right; like this is like the bringing together point for a lot of Chicago sports fans. And uh, I know we have a lot of thoughts that I know we want to express. If you know Cody's Wi-Fi plays nice, so hopefully he can sit here and express that as well. I guess not Wi-Fi. You said you're hard at wired in, so that Ethernet cord needs to pick up the slack. Uh, Cody, uh, we have a couple of Monday night football games coming up here before they kick off. I know you are Mr. Betts all the time. You're winning money, hitting these parlays. I've been following along on Twitter uh, throughout the season. <laughs> I don't bet on the NFL until about week four. That's my personal opinion. I just let things kind of ride out. But if you're looking at a few bets here this evening for people to win some money, I love getting our audience members you know, some extra cash on hand. What are those bets for you tonight? Uh, so I wouldn't say that, but I know that is is huge. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Tell him to call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe can we should just have him call on his phone. I guarantee he, yeah. his phone will be working with flying colors, and people need you know the the betting expertise from Cody with these games coming up. I know, I know. It's uh, I wanted to lean in him a little bit there because that is something that I know he dives into. Did you guys look at points bet a bit and find anything? Yeah, I actually did. Um, I have a couple things, and and Cody, you know, obviously I'm going to lean on him, but um, you know, as far as this first game is concerned with the Bills and the Titans, you know, Jamison Crowder, uh, anytime touchdown is at pl- plus three seventy five. And uh, plus fifteen hundred for his first to be the first touchdown scorer. I liked kind of what I saw from Jamison filling in, you know, fitting into this Buffalo Bills offense last week to kick off the season. He's got a, a good, you know, understanding of how to sit down in a zone. And uh, Josh Allen, Josh Allen was finding him quite a bit. So uh, Jam- Jamison Crowder was somebody I had my eye on for sure. No, that one yeah, seems I, like I, easy money. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, like that. Uh, you know, I just think anything re- revolving around Josh Allen is easy <laughs> money because that dude just gets touchdowns. So I saw Bills, this Bills Titans game, like first touchdown plus six hundred for Josh Allen. Give it to me. Let's let's do it. And look, I preface this. Do don't listen to me when it comes to bets. Like I will. <laughs> I have been on a downward trend, like this, especially this past weekend, and I just been betting up baseball, but. That, that one sounds doable, so maybe. But like I said, Cody's a guy you want to listen to. Me, I, I'm just here to, you know, I thought, it, I thought it was a cool bet, a good bet, a winnable bet, and I'll just put my two cents out there. But if you no, make I it, agree. you can't blame me. No, I, I agree with you. You know, Josh Allen is the gift that keeps on giving. You know, they're on fire right now. So 
I completely agree with you. That's why I was looking at some of his receiving options and some of the, you know, touchdown uh, prop bets, but there's a lot there, you know, there's a lot there. I mean, you know, it, minus 200 for over, a, you know, one and a half touchdowns, you know, you're not getting too much meat on the bone as far as return, but I can guarantee you he's throwing over at least two touchdowns tonight. He's on fire. He's absolutely on fire. Yeah, the dude is incredible. Unfortunately, though, Nick said any bet for Josh Allen is a good one here tonight. So uh, I'd hold my breath if I were you, Greg. Maybe Nick just kind of jinxed your bet there, too, because he is. <laughs> the you know, Grim he, Reaper. He yeah. literally is the Grim Reaper of bets. I've known him long <laughs> enough to kind of figure that one out myself. Yeah, I don't get it, though. It's like uh, my one, I have a good buddy of mine. His name is Brett. He makes a bunch of bets on points bet. I'm like, all right, just shoot him my way, and I'll do the same as you. Yesterday he hit. I didn't place those. And then I, I follow another set of bets that he had. Of course, we missed the parlay by one. I'm like, son of a gun, man. Like, I just can't get it on the right day, the right time, the right bet. Give me some money. But isn't that interesting with some of these sharks out there that like are really good at sports gambling? You know, and it, it's just like appears that way. Like, I have a friend, his name's Johnny B, and he's a big gambler. And man, you'd think he would never have to work another day in his life the way he bets sports. And they always tell you, like, oh, well, they don't tell you about the losses. They only tell you about the wins. But at the same time, I'm watching this guy eat up every day. So I'm pretty sure he's winning more than he's losing. I don't know. It's uh, it's attempting. It's it's the forbidden fruit for me because I'm a very um, hard-on-my-sleeve fan. So it's hard for me to bet games, especially ones that I have a rooting interest in because – yeah. Uh, I picked the Bears. I know Nicholas picked the Bears. You know, it, it can be hard to, to balance between, you know, being realistic, so to speak, and and um, having that meatball come out of you. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm not doing the Bears-Packers dance again at the end of the year. I try. I thought we were in a good spot, Nick. <laughs> That's, yeah, at least for yeah, me. So at least for me, I don't bet. Like, teams I root for, Greg, I, I can't. It's I, I feel like – it's just a double whammy. If they lose and you lose money, man, does that just sting a, a little bit more? We have a lot of great stuff that we're going to dive in here tonight. Uh, we're going to discuss some lessons learned. Uh, we're going to look ahead to the Texans. Nick's going to give some updates from Hellas Hall. Really all the way around, we're just going to keep this train rolling. I saw a comment uh, a little bit ago that I just wanted to kind of bring on the screen from uh, Jack R., uh, they simply call Chat Mobs happy for me. Uh, so for people that don't know, that's a podcast that I started as an internship as a student at IU, uh, the Assembly Call. And I know, Greg, we have a shared connection through that one as well, with Brian Tonsani. And yeah. uh, he's been a great you know, person in my life as well. But I just want to appreciate stand Jack R for bringing being. that up. Yeah, Isn't he's he? a stand-up human being. Love Brian, Assembly Call. Um, those guys do an amazing job. Amazing job. Yeah, I want to be here uh, today if it wasn't for those guys bringing me in back, I think, 2015 season. I never did any sort of talk show, radio show, podcast before. Helped out a little bit on editorial side, and they brought me on, and here we are. Uh, life is funny that way. Cody. I'm back, get guys. the internet gremlins figured out? I rebooted the, the modem. I hope that I am much better now. You look clear and clean. Mm -hmm. Clean as a <laughs> whistle. You look like Thank a million bucks. Awesome. Thank you. Speaking I appreciate of appreciate that from you, Braggs. No, you you look like uh, you know you look like the Cubs just won by twelve. Oh, you and Luke are 
it's Blue not happening gray. very often these days, but you know, I like to <laughs> think that that's what is happening all the time, right? <laughs> One day. Oh, uh, anyway, uh, did you guys give you some of your replies? I, I'm interested in what you guys like as well. Nick, Greg, Nick, Greg, tell them what you guys had. I, I, I want to see your thoughts. Yeah, uh, I, like I was saying to these guys, you know, um, Jamison Crowder, I thought was interesting. You know, anytime touchdown plus three seventy five. Uh, to be the first touchdown scorer, plus 1,500, if you watch that first game, Jamison Crowder was getting involved in the offense with Josh Allen. He's somebody that understands how to like sit down in zones. He's a veteran wide receiver, and he's a good fit for this team. So I just imagine if they get in the red zone and they can't run it in, you know, and you're trying to find that little, you know, crack in the, you know, defense, I think Jamison is the type of guy that could find it because all the attention, obviously – is going to go to their bigger wide receivers, and then you got Jamison running around in the slot. Nice. Yeah, for Cody, I, I just like Josh Allen. He scores touchdowns. So first touchdown <laughs> yeah. plus 600, I'm like, all right. Uh, He's again, in. again, I preface, I preface like uh, I I suck at, at sports betting. Like everything I bet <laughs> doesn't happen. But it just, uh, just made sense to me. So that's yeah. what I went okay. with. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, before I left, I said that I, I'm not big on trends, but the under trend on primetime uh, is one that I have been writing to year. It's undefeated in primetime. The under has is, is hit primetime game so far this year, and I'm going to keep riding it until I lose. Uh, it are probably not, but, you know, that's just how I do things. Uh, you know, I read a stat before the year that the under in primetime since like 2017 has hit 61% of the time. So that's better than 50%. I like I like the chances of it of it hitting. Like it's not fun to take unders. Like it like you want I like cheering for points, but I also watch the Bears. So I mean it, it's it's you know, it is what it is. <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah, I'm taking the under on Titans Bills. And I also I kind of like it in, in general anyway, because I think the Bills, you know, they had a, that great first game of the season, right? Uh on mm-hmm. offense. I feel like maybe they I'm not saying that they're gonna lose or anything like that, but I don't know if it'll be as great again, back-to-back weeks and, you know, coming off the, you know, that great game they had first game of the year against the Rams, making a statement to the league. Now they're going up against a Titans team that honestly I think is at least better than what they were against the Giants. Uh, with that said, I like the Titans to cover 10 tonight. I think that the point spread's too high. I think that it, like, I think it opened at seven and just moved straight Uh towards the bills end. And I think a lot of that has to do with overreactions from week one. You know how that happens. Um, Even we did a little bit with the bears after them beating the 49ers. Right. So, uh, and with the AFC South, so like wild at this point, like I don't think anyone thought the Colts would be Owen two after the first two games. Um, This is the Titans chance to really not necessarily take a, hold of the division. I mean, it's two games in, right? But this is a, this is kind of a big game for them in terms of just being able to hang around. And, you know, coming into the year, I wasn't high on the Titans. I think getting rid of A.J. Brown was a mistake. We're, we'll see with mm-hmm. Traylon Burks. I, I don't know. But I don't know. I, I just think that the Titans are going to hang around tonight. I don't even know if they're going to win. I just think they hang around. I think 10 points is too much. Um, so those are the two bets I got for the, the first game. Ten's um, a big number. I get that. It is. It is. And I mean, I I took the Bears a cover last night, and I I I knew I shouldn't have. I did it mainly as a fan. <laughs> I did it mainly as a fan. But 
yeah. If I would have, if I would, if I wasn't a Bears fan, I would have probably taken the Packers just based off the trends and and everything in in that series. But that I digress. Anyway, um, I also I like the Vikings to cover. I, I kind of like Vikings on the money line tonight because you can get a plus one twenty. Um, Vikings coming off a really good game against the Packers. Could there be a letdown, perhaps? But I also think the Eagles just didn't look that great against the Lions last week. So yeah. I just, I think it'll be close. Uh, you know, if you give me a field goal. I got them at three. I think it's going to close here in the next hour or two. It's down to like, you know, two and a half. Like I got it at three. I think that's really key when you're betting on the NFL or just football in general. If you can get three or seven, um, I, and with the trend on the under, I've taken the under. I got the under at 50 and a half. Now it's down to like last I checked was 48. So um, maybe some other people are coming in on that as well. But yeah, uh, as far as my reasoning a lot for the Vikings, like I said, coming off against the Packers, um, I just think Justin Jefferson's a beast. I don't think there's anyone that can stop him, stop him man. And Dalvin Cook, yeah. like I, I, I don't want to think that the Vikings are going to be – great like, i don't want them to be but they looked really good in that first week against a, a good packers team I, I understand it was week one but still like if the eagles just didn't impress, impress me enough against the lions for me to take the eagles this week even though they're at home uh and when you're gambling on the nfl those the three points it's basically a toss-up so i think it's close I just hope the, the the Vikings are within a field goal before this one ends. So I'm with you um, on the Justin Jefferson thing. I mean, um, he's the real deal, Holyfield. And this, you know, you saw how much the Lions put up on the Eagles last week. That was a shootout. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Minnesota showed they can put up some points against a Packers defense that we learned is, is pretty good. So, you know, Justin yeah. Jefferson, you know, uh, to get 100-plus yards is plus 100 to get – plus 125 plus yards that's plus 240 and to get 150 plus yards that's plus 550 i mean there's a risk <laughs> to each of those levels but yeah. i'm considering at least the the plus uh, you know over 125 yards this guy uh right. gets them pretty quickly he gets them in chunks right well i love that you like bring up like the the like alternate spreads or i guess alternate uh, receiving yards for jefferson because uh sean sean anderson last night he took the packers like minus 16 and a half at like plus 195 or something like that or plus 240 some some crazy shit like that and of course of course it hit for him which i was happy for him for his bank account but i was also pissed i was so mad that he would just do that though but i get it sometimes you just gotta sacrifice your team to make money man you know, at least it takes the sting of a loss out if your you know wallet gets a little bit fat. Absolutely, right. absolutely. And admittedly, I've bet against the Bears and against the Packers many times, like every single time last year and the season before that. But last night, I just felt different, and I wish I didn't, but I felt like they were gonna be in it. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if that touchdown, if they if they if they call that a touchdown, maybe maybe they do cover. Uh, I don't know that that game was just so frustrating, and I know that we're not supposed to have high expectations for this team this year, but 
I I don't know about you guys. We just gone to we gone through too many rebuilds. Like I I want results. That I, is that too meatballish of me to say? No, you're like, you're <laughs> damn right. It's been this last what decade plus rebuild, retry, rebuild, retry, retool. Yeah. Nah, right. By the way, right. like you said that like you know you were kind of like oh, you were feeling it, didn't you say in Twitter last week it was like Nick and I's preview or something like that? They're like hell yeah, I'm down. Let's go. Like we changed your mind. Yeah. Yeah, no, Will, you you talked me into Son of a bitch. I'm the sorry. 11 wins. <laughs> you talked me into the 11 wins, and I was like, okay. like, I, But I appreciate it because I just think so pessimistically about this franchise. And, like, if you watch the Cubs show, if, like, there's anyone in the chat that watches the Cubs show, like, everyone knows that I am the super optimist when it comes to the Cubs, which just makes no sense considering the history of the Cubs. But that maybe that's just ha- what it is supposed to be if you're a Cubs fan, like, Every year before 16 was like, you know, there's always next year, like blah, 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 like all the jokes that I've heard in my entire life. But like with the Bears, it was it's all like I've just never been able to buy in. I think 2018 was the one year outside mm-hmm. of the year they went to the Super Bowl where I was like, this team it has it. This team's going to do it. And every year other than that, though, it's like I you you. I'm I'm out by like week five at, at the at the earliest. Yeah, but you know Cody, I mean? it's about doing the rebuild the right way. I mean, Absolutely, Cubs. Absolutely. I mean, how many years of for us growing up? You know, they'd get one guy, the Felix mm. PA or Corey Patterson or Mark. <laughs> right. Pratt. It was always just the one guy that was going to save us. But it wasn't until Theo came in and blew ripped it up from the ground. And said, I'm going to build up. this to, from the bottom. And we heard a lot of that in the presser with Iberflus and Ryan Poles. Like, uh, even George McCaskey talking about how you build a house and the foundation. And I'm like, come on. I'm a bricklayer. Like, let me <laughs> – this is my area, George. Let me take this. But it it is the truth. It's brick by brick. I say it all the time, and I'm sure I'll yeah. get some eye rolls from it. But it, it is the <laughs> truth. And you need that consistency of laying each brick. Those, and it – you know, it doesn't seem like much, but then after a while, now all of a sudden you have a house. And they have to mm-hmm. do this the right way. And they never took the GM and the head coach out at the same time. It was always rolling over a head coach into the GM or GM into the head coach. or You know, and you can even throw the quarterback into that to some extent, but that's kind of what happened in this situation with Justin Fields rolling into this GM and head coach. But at the same time, you got to do it the right way. And, and, and I just – yeah, we're tired of rebuilds, but you get tired of rebuilds because you don't rebuild it the right way. So you right. build the house and the and set the foundation the right way, and then you can get what we got as Cub fans in 2016. So, you know, I understand patience is not a virtue here in Chicago. We haven't had much to cheer about on a consistent basis outside of Michael Jordan and uh, Patrick Kane and, and Jonathan Taves and the, and the Blackhawks. You know, so... I get it, but at the same time, if we want sustained success, we got to be able to, you know, rebuild this the right way. Yeah, I keep telling myself that. Like, I, like, I love that you've said it multiple times, Braggs. Like, trying, like, telling yourself to not get too high <laughs> or too low, and like that first win in Week One. Justin Fields sliding into the end zone after like the game, like we create the most badass shirt we're ever going to create. This company probably not probably have <laughs> ones after. Like we're like that was a game that we will remember. I feel like for a really long time, and it, it I, that that energy carried over into last night, and that's why I thought differently about going into a Bears Packers game because they yep. had so much momentum, and 
I was I was telling myself like I don't think we're gonna win, but just like don't get embarrassed on prime time again. And mm-hmm. it wasn't the worst Bears Packer or Bears loss against the Packers, but it was it still was like ugly. It was an ass and, like it was yeah, an ass and, somebody and put think, somebody put I feel like this is the same Bears game I've been watching every year for 30 years, and it really was. I mean, they caught yeah, up right. at the end, but they were getting their ass kicked for most of the game. Right. So that's why I think what like hurts what hurts was that just, you know, fields just didn't have a good game. However you want to look at it. Like I, I don't, I'm not analytically sound as you guys are when it comes to like how good a quarterback is or isn't, but like, I mean, 11 passing attempts. I know like there was, there was more opportunities for sure for that, but they couldn't move the ball Mm -hmm. all these different things. And like, I feel like if, Fields would have had a great game and like went toe to toe somewhat with Aaron Rodgers. I would have felt okay. I would have that would have been like the best moral victory uh, in my Bears fandom against the Packers. I feel that's what you want to see, Cody. Yeah, if if Justin Fields is falling out and they're still losing, like that's that's the whole point of this season, really. Like we there was supposed to be low expectation because the talent's not there, but if Justin Fields looking good, he's going to Lambeau Field and competing with Rodgers, like. You still, as a Bears fan, like, we know we got the guy. Through two games, we've seen, what, 27 pass attempts, 28 pass attempts? So we still need to obviously see him play the quarterback position and do it the right way. So, yeah, I completely agree. If that was a scenario, hey, it's still the Bears somehow get their ass kicked, but he's making the throws, making the decisions that you want to see. Then you come out of Lambeau feeling like at least we know number one is that guy. And not to say that he isn't at this point, but – that's like a scenario where if you still lose to the Packers as a Bears fan, you're like, all right, this is this still that we're still on track here. And that's what you yeah. ultimately want to see this season. But what hurts more, Justin struggling and the lack of a pass attack in general? And I know these two go hand in hand, or the fact that Darnell Mooney, who's supposed to be that wide receiver one, take that next step yet again, has been MIA eight yards in week one, negative four yesterday. He actually took his season total down in the game by half of his production. And by the way, I I looked it up last night too. 53 tight ends have caught a pass this year in the NFL. 53. And Cole Komet has zero. 53 tight ends. I was pretty hard on Cole last (laughs) night. Uh, He is starting to get on my nerves. I mean, it was one pass, but it hit him right in the numbers. And he He dropped it. I don't know why he he, jumps. He he has this awkward jump when he doesn't need to. And the thing that really pissed me off most about it was you know, Justin Fields got laid out on that play. Kenny Clark just completely manhandles Sam Musselman, throws him to the side, and now here comes, you know, Justin Fields, you know, having to take all that on. And he stands in the pocket and makes the throw, and I believe that was first down. So that's a drive mm-hmm. changer, and you drop that pass. Now all of a sudden it leads to another three and out. You, you got to pick your quarterback up. It, he's having a tough time. You know, he's trying to do everything he can to get the momentum going on offense, and you just can't get it when, it, when you have things like that happening. So that really disappointed me. Cole Komet's got to get going. It's year three, so I'm taking the kid gloves off when it comes to Cole Komet. You know, he's got to step up, or he's going to continue to get heat from from the Braggs residents, even my daughter uh, Addison. <laughs> I agree, yeah. man. I don't know what it is with this franchise. I don't know what it is with if this franchise and tight ends, man. Like since Greg Olson got traded stupidly. Like I, I don't like Trey Burton had some nice games, but then the playoff game, we all know. Like mm-hmm. I, I just I don't know. I, I will he 
I'm with you, Braggs. Like, he has to be better. Like, I, I, we need him to be better because, like, the lack of real weapons for Fields is really showing these first two weeks. I think that's like the biggest thing. And like, there's just no like you. I, I would assume that Mooney would have been so much more involved these first two games, and he just hasn't been. I, I, I think that's probably the biggest surprise to me in general with with that and uh i don't understand i don't know if it's he's not getting open i, I don't watch the all 22 i mean like you just do, but. you know people were very hard on alan robinson last year i get it he wasn't giving 100 percent effort uh because he was upset with his contract situation and he was done with matt Nagy for all intents and purposes but at the same time that's somebody that the defense has to account for he has a reputation in this josh league. allen touchdown josh Go. allen in, into the uh, end zone Passes to who's this number forty one? Wow, this uh whoever it was, I think it was a tight end, just broke like two tackles on a. Is that Dawson net. Knox? No, uh, it's, no, uh, it's Reggie not. Gillum. Gillum, oh. yep. Reggie Gillum. So uh, he would have got you big numbers for first touchdown of the day. I mean, what was his? I I don't. I, I yeah, that must have been uh, good odds there. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, so, they already changed it. See, I got to get used to this, Cody. I'm I'm just breaking into this gambling scene and i'm gonna go bro- i'm gonna go broke and we're gonna have to move my family into your house cody but my my best i i've i've hit one first time first touchdown bet uh well not ever but i've i've hit a few but i had a free bet this was a few years ago on points bet obviously and i bet zach moss to get the first touchdown in a monday night football game for the bills against whoever I don't even remember and he was at like uh, like plus three thousand something I don't know like it was it was juicy man there was a lot of juice in it and I don't remember why I made the bet but I made the bet and he scored the first touchdown and it what was wild was that there was like two or three other guys that Allen had like thrown to or they had handed off to and either they didn't get it in on the run or the two the, the few passing plays that they did and they just didn't either catch it or there was defense that got the defense was there. Like there's so many s- s- situations where I should have lost that bet. And then I did win. I ended up winning. I was like, I'm never going to win a better one, a better first t- touchdown bet ever again. And I haven't to this day, still haven't. It's been like a year or two now. <laughs> won like 300 some bucks. It was awesome. <laughs> so I just want to ask like the room real quick. So we were talking about like Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet not getting production. Like what? will fix that like would it be there we go that was my bad my fat thumb hit a button over here on the side i was like what's happening that like button, my... i got the fat, fat thumbs around here fat thumb to hit that like button that, that's always go. a good thing dude. We, Just... we, need that, we need that thing smashed throughout the entire episode here tonight but Nick, I actually just want to ask you this first because you're watching it, you know, from a different vantage point than we were yesterday and of course you saw the first game too is this like more like Mooney not having somebody else to kind of take the attention away. And is that supposed to be Cole Komet? Is it like like we're kind of getting burned on both ends of the stick here? Because like the more I think about it, like that's where my mind goes. You know, I think there's a couple different factors when you look at like the production and lack of it for Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney. I think that is, you know, that was something that we talked about all offseason. Like Darnell Mooney is going to have to be the guy. Now you're going to get shadowed by the number one, number one cornerback. You're going to have coverage roll your way now because you have to respect that speed that he has. But also, like, we've seen through these two games, the Bears want to run the football. 
And that was the that was the game plan going into this to last night's game against the Packers. They wanted to run the ball down their throats. That's what Field said in his post game press conference that Luke Getzey went up to and told him that. And they they really did stick to it, but we just haven't seen as many pass attempts. There are some plays where it kind of looks like maybe Fields is coming off a read a little bit too quickly. And again, maybe he's not trusting the line in front of him. There's again a whole bunch of different factors, but. Easily, well, I think that is a part of it. This is first time really, even though Allen Robinson wasn't being very productive, you still had to respect 12 out there. Like, right. he could pop off at any moment. And even though he never did that season as a defense, like, we we know Allen Robinson's track record. He was producing with Mitch Trubisky. We know what he's capable of. So then, you know, maybe it made things a little easier for Darnell Mooney. And, yeah, through two weeks, it has not panned out. My fantasy team can tell you that. I have Mooney on it. And God damn it, I'm playing against Justin Jefferson, so I already know that's not going to happen today. But it it's gonna it's gonna take some time though. But Justin said after the game that Darnell Mooney's a guy that can come out of like games with zero catches, and he's still going to be the same guy. And essentially, he's been doing that through two weeks, so he's you know still the same guy. But we need for this offense to be productive. And Matty Rafflew said this today. They need to be a part of it. He said the the passing game is a concern. But those two absolutely need to be a part of the passing game if the Bears are going to go anywhere this season. Yeah, is it fair that, to? Oh, I'm sorry, like, Will. I was just no, going to say good. that. I apologize. The guy that I think that we're missing is Valus Jones. I know he doesn't have a reputation in this league, but at the same time, he has dynamic. He's electric. He's extremely fast. He has great separation ability. So um, when he gets out there, you know, and they're running him in motion in the backfield or even stretching the field deep. If they don't not even if they don't throw the ball to him, that's going to help get eyes off of Darnell Mooney. You can't help but pay attention to where Bayless Jones is at on the field. I understand he's unproven, but that's that's what they're missing on this team right now. I apologize, Will. No, you're good. I was actually going to set you up for exactly that. I wanted to know if it was <laughs> fair. I just jumped in front. <laughs> yeah, a little bit you jumped the gun, but I just want to know like, is it fair to put shot. those expectations on him? to like be the guy to open up this offense. I see a lot of Bears fans like you, Greg, that are hoping for. I've been super high on Bayless ever since the Bears drafted him, you know, in the pre-draft process too, just someone as I wanted the Bears to go and target and bring into this team. Like I like the guy a lot, but he didn't have a full training camp. He barely had much practice there. He's dealing with that soft tissue injury that, you know, can linger, take some time. And I just feel like it doesn't seem like a recipe for success right away. And I don't want to say and put the, like the, pressure on him or the weight on his shoulders to be like yeah you're the guy that's actually going to open up this entire offense if he does great i think everyone here is going to be happy about it but is that actually like fair expectations no and he doesn't even have to catch a pass i'm just the the eyes everybody's focused it's all you have to focus on in darnell mooney all respect to you know saint brown byron pringle you know these guys are role players within the system you know to me velas has that electricity that you're always just your eyes are going to, you know, it's like a magnet. You got to look at it, and so that's going to help Darnell Mooney. That's going to help Cole Komet. He, I'm not saying he has to have eight catches for to have an impact to help these other guys out. Just his presence on the field is going to help because, like I said, you get we saw it at camp early on. It was real early, but. When he's running streaking downfield, you see the separation ability. We didn't even really see the gadgetry that we all assume is going to be a part of the Bayless Jones package. So now you've got this guy 
you know, running in motion in the backfield. They're doing different things. Obviously, everyone's talked about the Debo Samuel role. But regardless, that's going to be things that the linebackers, they have to account for that. Everybody's got to account for that on the field. And now that's going to open up some things for Darnell Mooney. That's that's where my headspace is at with Bayless. I'm also very high on him, but he's got to get on the field. He's got to get healthy. Yeah. And those things like hamstrings, like I wish we could bring on Mason West here to talk about it a little bit, but like those things are can linger and can be difficult. And it's one of those, like it feels good one day you overuse it and then you can get back to like that tightness and soreness. And mm-hmm. man, those things can really, really just derail uh, a player for a good chunk of time. Uh, I have plenty more that I want us to get to here today, but first I want to let you know that, uh, you know, this is, of course, football season, and PointsBet is bringing you a better way to bet live on games, which, of course, there's two tonight that you can do that, which means before this ad is over, you can place a live same-game parlay, bet on the next drive to be a touchdown, and cash out on your live second-half over bet. With PointsBet, you have access to more live football markets than ever before. Build the perfect live same-game parlay by combining your favorite bets anytime during the game, including spreads, totals, player props, and more. Choose the outcome of the next drive and next points with PointsBet Lightning Bets. So whether you are on the move or on the couch, do it live on PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app today. Use our code CHGO to get your first two risk-free bets up to $2,000. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 100Gambler for crisis counseling and referral services. Yeah, and real quickly, I need to tell everybody about game time. And first, I'm just going to ask our listeners and viewers a quick question. Have you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could? How about the 50-yard line? Courtside, behind home plate, floor seats at a concert? I'm sure you have because I know each one of us have also thought the same exact thing, and it's possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. You won't find a better deal this season on Bears tickets. If you still want to go, even after that ass-whooping from the Packers, (laughs) there's still plenty of season left, and you could definitely check out the best seats in town on the Game Time app. And if you love CHGO, then you'll also love Game Time. The best way to support us is to buy your tickets through the link in the description so you can join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite seats. Yeah, like Nick said, definitely use the link here in the YouTube description. It's also in the podcast description to whatever player you're consuming the show on. You can definitely use that link. Help us out. Help yourself out. Get some cheap tickets. And not just Bears. I'm sure there are some cheap Cubs tickets laying around too, guys. No, it's cheap Sox tickets too. There is. I went to the game yesterday for less than 40 bucks total for two two tickets. That's, that's there you go. That's we it. probably get in for like an Abraham Lincoln at, at, in Southside right now. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you can. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I know we've been kind of like, you know, harping on some negatives. And I, I think that's super warranted just given everything that transpired last night. It's healthy. Night, it is. You have to get it out. Like you can't internalize it. I that's why I was up to four in the morning. I was internalizing all that anger and frustration. I was hitting here waiting to go live on that post-game show. My foot's just tamping on the ground. Like, get me in here. I'm ready to go. And damn. Yeah. But I want to switch to a positive here real quick and have a discussion about some Tevin Jenkins. I tweeted a clip earlier today that people are loving, just like I did. I'm sure you guys liked it too, where Tevin Jenkins did what Tevin Jenkins does, and he sticks to his guy, carries him throughout the entire play, and shoves his ass out of bounds. I love seeing that from our right guard. So my question is for you guys. like, When is this right guard you know, back and forth rotation going to end? Is it going to be whenever that cast comes off? Does that make the most sense? 
to allow Lucas Patrick to kind of get some reps so he's not super rusty when he goes in. I can't wait for him to go in center. Sam Mustafer and some of my spot checking yesterday did have, you know, a little bit of struggles uh, to say the least. So this Bears offense line will be a lot better with Patrick at center and Tevin Jenkins as a full-time right guard. I can't wait for that to be Jenkins spot, but when does it make sense? Is it something they can just give to him in week three and you're okay with and having Patrick still wait if that cast is still on or should they keep this rotation until that cast comes off? You know, guys, um, I think it's whenever Lucas can snap the ball, let him go be the center. That's exactly what you paid him here to do. He he built that continuity with Justin Fields early on. And it just seems like at this point you're doing it to do it. I don't even know if this – like the rotation at this point makes as much sense because I think we're seeing what you want to see out of Tevin Jenkins. Like the clip you posted, Will, you're seeing the physicality. You're seeing him, you know, take his man out, out of the play, and you're seeing some good reps from Tevin Jenkins. Did he struggle at times during the game? Yeah. But I think for the most part, you assess it and say, yeah, Tevin Jenkins is looking like the right guard. Again, what, now a couple weeks into this new position because that wasn't his natural fit. But I think that's what it what it is. And Matty Refus was asked about that. Like, there's two games of tape with the right guard. When do you go to one? He said it depends on where we have Lucas. And if he can snack, snap the ball and do it effectively, then you have Tevin Jenkins as your right guard. You can stop the rotation. You kind of saw Sam Musfer get dislodged a couple of plays. And look, Kenny Clark's a really good football player. But I think once Lucas Patrick is able to, to just be an effective center, can call out some of the things that are going on in the defense too, that's going to ultimately be best for this offensive line. But that's just what I think. What, what do you guys kind of did anybody? Uh, think right now? Did we get an answer on who the quarterback center exchange, who that fell on between Fields and Mustafer last night? On the bottom no. snap. Yep, nothing there. Yeah, I want I want to <laughs> blame somebody, Nick. <laughs> Rags was Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. Yeah, there you go. Thursday we get Getsy. I think that'll be a mm. you know a good conversation and have have some fullback questions for that Mister Luke Getsy when uh, on Thursday. No, I, yeah, <laughs> I, you you're trying to get your best five out there. So Lucas Patrick getting to center, leaving Tevin Jenkins at guard is is how this needs to shake out. It's fairly obvious that Tevin Jenkins is the most talented offensive lineman they have. You know, he's been through a lot this offseason, and at one point I thought he was as good as gone. Credit to him mm-hmm. for putting his head down, tying his bootstraps up and getting to work and doing what the, the team was asking of him, even if he didn't completely agree with the role they were trying to put him in. And then as Will, uh, you know, really highlighted, it was a great clip. I mean, that's stuff you see in college, the way he – I mean, he walked this – this is a grown man in the NFL, and he walked this dude all the way to the sideline from the center of the field. You know, that's that's a long ways to go. And the guy was trying to run away from like, get off him. And yeah. Tevin just kept going, and you love to see that. It's – it's um, th- that's the kind of rare power that you're going to ha- – you have to have that kind of grit and nastiness that you need to have on this offensive line tone setters, as I like to call them. So um, I would leave Tevin where he is and stop messing around with the carousel. I mean, what is it, Nick? Cause you're in the locker room. Does Lucas Patrick just being from this offense, you know, and, and the familiarity with Luke Getzey, is that what it is? Cause I thought last week we were thinking maybe this is a ramp up period. Cause Lucas was hurt. Get him on the field, get him ready. You know, if the hand isn't ready, if that's what they're still doing, so be it. But at the same time, does he have like 
some sort of impact with communication on that offensive line, being that these guys have really found the chemistry yet and that it's a new offensive system for most of these guys. I would say it's both. There is a respect that these offensive linemen have for Lucas Patrick, especially the young guys. There is just that value he brings to that room, but also he does know this offense. So that was big for, you know, especially learning, and they're still obviously learning the system. But I think it it does play into both factors there, Greg, where, you know, Lucas Patrick is familiar with the system, but there's also this leadership aspect that he brings to the team. And, you know, that's why he was made the honorary captain for this week two matchup. And he didn't even start the game. It was, it was Tevin Jenkins that started, and you then saw that rotation throughout the entire night. But it is both of those factors. And I think, again, if he was fully healthy, he didn't have the, the, the club on his right hand, he, he absolutely would be your starting center. But, you know, I think just he, they wanted to see how he could play with it and get him a little bit of reps before eventually he's healthy enough to take over that role. Again, it does help a little bit because, say, it takes a week four, five. God, I hope it really doesn't get to that point. But yeah. at least he's not coming in like, have what, he got hurt halfway-ish through training camp. So mm-hmm. it would have been a long period of him not being able to play any football to get jumped back and just thrown right into the fire. So at least this way he does get some reps, and he's out there each and every week. So when he does go back to center, it's not that huge big leap back into, again, like the starting lineup. And then you have Jenkins over there. And I don't want to take any credit for Tevin Jenkins' game, but in the locker room last week, I did interview him a bit. And then after uh, I was done, because he kept mentioning, like, you know, I didn't know I was going to be here even, like, a few weeks ago, and I'm here. And, like, I felt bad. Like, that's, he's still thinking about this. Like, after my interview, and what I love about our job and, like, how I'm, like, a hybrid fan media guy, like, I told him, like, dude, like, I told him that, too. Like, I'm a hybrid guy and big fan of you and your game. And I was so happy when he got here into Chicago. And there's a lot of Bears fans just like me who really want you here and want you succeed and we know you have all the potential in the world and just keep hammering away focus at the task in hand and just be the best version of yourself out there in the field and look what he did he drove the guy out of bounds like he did when he was in college so will's pep talk obviously paying dividends over there but obviously uh for to see that i think is a really good sign that this man is going to be uh, a really good, like not even just that play, but he's sealing off runs. It felt like the Bears wanted to run behind 76. And I think that says a lot about who they believe he can be uh, as someone in the running game. Uh, switching gears real quick. Let's talk about the other side. Touchdown by the Titans, and they ran a, they ran a shotgun draw for Derrick <gasps> Henry to get in the end zone. So uh, careful, Bears fans, the shotgun <laughs> worked for the Titans. So I got Derrick Henry. I got Derrick Henry in the, on my uh, fantasy team for the CHGO league. Ooh, I'm, I'm, doing I'm getting my butt whooped this week by Alex, but I mean, you know, maybe if Henry goes like five touchdowns, I, you know, maybe I can sneak in there. I don't know. <laughs> Cody, don't bring up that league. I'm pissed off because I made the league. I made the settings and I forgot I put the two quarterback rule because Adam mentioned. Okay. It, so. You know what, Will? I had to ask this. I had to ask. I was thinking, I was like, cause I know that the fantasy hardos like, you do a super flex, you do two quarterbacks. And I was doing that in my league for the first time, but I was like, wow, like Will did a super flex league. And he just thought we all just like knew it was going to be super flex. And I was, the draft was going on and Jerry <laughs> took Josh Allen won one. And I was like, is, yeah, is, it was this, so... is this a two quarterback league? And then I looked into it and I was writing in the Slack. I was like, does everyone know this is two quarterbacks, by the way? Like, 
I thought you were just the biggest fantasy photo of all time. And you were like, yeah, obviously <laughs> we're doing super flex. No, I forgot. Cause I was like, well, I forgot who it was. Whoever had the first pick, like went quarterback, quarterback. I was like, what the hell is going on with this, <laughs> this so draft? And yeah. so I ended up like Kirk cousins and Daniel Jones, like an idiot. <laughs> oh, well, the first like the first like four or five rounds, I sat. I was I did the draft at the office. I was sitting next to Luke, and I was like, "Dude, have has any of these people ever done fantasy football before? <laughs> like, like Jared just took Josh Allen number one overall. Like, like I was I I got Derrick Henry at like six or seven. I thought that was like mm-hmm. really good. <laughs> like, I, I I don't know. Like, it was." Well, I was I, I didn't again. I didn't realize it was super flex league until like the fourth or same. fifth round. I, I did it like a traditional draft, and somehow yeah, I think yeah. I, yeah, I was like, "Hey, Jalen Hurts is gonna hold me over," but fudge, you know, I need yeah. I need some other guys there. At least, guys, I didn't do that, and I was the only one that actually knew and remembered I did that. And I took the quarterbacks, and oh, else did. Then we have a conspiracy on our hands. But I was just like you, and I forgot, and I definitely failed to even mention it. Because I was like, I think we changed like the league settings a few times that day. Yeah, collusion might. Oh, I, I have Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins. There is that's the anti-collusion. Like I'm sad. I'm, I'm tanking for the first round pick next year if we keep this like a league that keeps mm-hmm. rolling over each Dynasty. and every season. Yep. Exactly. Which I can change that setting, Cody. By the way, and I'll let you know if I do. All right. Well. All right. Go ahead. I'm just I'm just trying to go two and zero. Oh. It's uh, if if Derrick Henry scores five touchdowns, I might be able to do that. I doubt he does that tonight, though. So. <laughs> Looks like a shootout so far. So mm-hmm. yeah, the editor is not looking great. But again, I was just riding with the trend. So that seems to be a theme for you, huh? I again, I'm not like the biggest trends guy. I just for some reason I that one in particular i like it because like sometimes i i've 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 sweated out some over unders on primetime games where like it's the chiefs and i don't know the rams or something and you get two high powered offenses you just you just you want to take the over right away and then it goes under because the defenses show up and you get a few more punts than you expect and then in the second half the the, the controlling of the clock becomes a thing and there's less possession or longer possessions uh, and longer drives. And some of those turn into field goals instead of touchdowns. And next thing you know, uh, you got a 51 or 52 point total that misses by like three or four points. And you're like, this was this, this, this does not, this doesn't feel right. So like, that's why, that's why I I ride with this trend. (laughs) Okay. So going back to yesterday's game, Something that I just kept thinking throughout this day is like, you know, we talked about it and Greg, you actually brought it up in the post game show week one to me, like just, you know, raving about that bears defensive line. And like, you were so excited for for me to hop on and to talk about that. But my God, were they just awful last night? I, I, when I rewatched the game this morning, I can count uh, as more than two hands, how many running attempts that the Packers had that the defensive line couldn't even touch a running back. It was just pathetic to watch for the second time. So I just want to know, like, at least from your perspective or just your gut feeling, like, was it just one bad game or is it like actual real cause for concern? Because last week in the, in the monsoon, it's hard to really gauge it like accurately because the footing is completely different. But I thought last night was like our first real look at this unit and they definitely did not look good. Like, should we be concerned or should we be patient? No, I think there's a huge cause for concern, and and Nick certainly can back me up on this as far as 
what he's seen with the tape. I think there is something to take from the Niners game because if you go back and watch that first half of the Niners game, they were killing us sideline to sideline, pushing the stretching the edges. Uh, Debo Samuel this way, Elijah Mitchell before he got hurt that way. And I think the Packers saw that um, and our inability to keep up to this, to each sideline, you know, Roquan Smith isn't in the middle anymore. He's on the edge. So you can kind of pick and choose your battles, which way you're trying to go. When Roquan was in the middle, you know, uh, he could roam a little bit and chase you down a little easier. Now he's on one side of the field. So I think there's something to be said to that because the Packers, I feel like, took that from what the Niners did. Uh, the majority of that first half, maybe not as much in the second half because it turned into a totally different game in that second half. But at the same time, I think the Packers saw that and attacked that with Aaron Jones. And we we just couldn't stop it. They were doing everything. It wasn't just Aaron Jones, too. I mean, one time, you know, Christian Jones was coming in motion a lot. I know one time they they fumbled it because of, of the motion. But at the same time, I think that's the book on the Bears right now is to – um, sideline to sideline them and see if the the Bears can keep up with it. And, and right now I don't think they can. And then, you know, you're running right at Roquan as opposed to away from him where he can be a little more effective chasing you down, run right at him, bulldoze him out of the way. I mean, that's unacceptable for a guy that's looking to get paid. Uh, but that was the game plan and they executed it perfectly. And I thought it was pointed out a few times on the postgame show last night. Adam Hogue pointed it out quite a bit wasn't just that Kyler Gordon was getting attacked in the passing game. He was getting attacked in the run game too. They were going right at him. So um, I think there is a big cause for concern as far as how this team is going to stop the run. Yeah. Gordon had a few nice tackles, but there are a lot more that were missed. Jaquan Brisker, same thing, like flew in to make this tackle behind the line of scrimmage, but came in a little bit too hot. was unable to kind of like break down and make a tackle and just ended up sliding behind the ball carrier. One of my rewatch revelations, it's an article that'll come out tomorrow for you. Everyone, the, everyone in the morning is like Al Quadin Muhammad continues to just really let me down. You know, someone that I thought would be a little bit more impactful and he just seems slow out there and he can't keep that contained. There's too many times when they do get to the outside, like you're saying, Greg, where, Number 55 is kind of like chasing him from behind, but he doesn't have like the gas in the tank to actually make a play. And that's why you're seeing like Kingsley, what Kingsley Jonathan, I, I think is his name. The undrafted free agent came in there too. Dominique Robinson. I'm going to find out that make sure I got that name right somewhere in them, my notes, but yeah, it was just the fact that you have to play undrafted guys, because I, I think 55 isn't playing to the degree that you want him to. I think it's a cause for concern. And when you watch this Packers offensive line, just, move the line of scrimmage as well as they did really concerns me because it just felt like a huge sea of green just pushing their way through with no resistance whatsoever and it was just honestly just like super frustrating to watch for the second time nick what do you have any thoughts yeah i think guys it's what's also frustrating too is that maddie refused Allen Williams. they knew exactly what the packers wanted to do i forget who maddie refused did a pre pre-game kind of interview not the day before or a couple days before the game like yeah they're gonna they're gonna test our they're gonna test us on, along the edges so they knew that was going to happen and you know the Packers were still able to do what they did on the ground and stretch them horizontally and I and I said this on, on the show earlier today like Roquan Smith at the beginning of this week wanted to see the speed of this defense now that they're on a neutral field they weren't going to play in a monsoon where the field conditions were all all you know just not a very very advantageous for a defense Neutral, you know, the field was great. Field was way better than what they played in week one, and they could not keep up. Roquan oh. Smith couldn't keep up. 
the edge players could not keep up. They were chasing after guys once they saw the back of the number of the jersey as they were getting, you know, yards upfield. And that's the thing that was frustrating is that it kind of it, it, it didn't seem like the Packers did anything that was crazy out of the normal. They were attacking along the edges. They had some motion guys. They got people pulling, and they sealed blocks and executed, yet the Bears couldn't do anything about it. That's what Robert Quinn said today. He's like, what happened in that second quarter? where it just felt like you couldn't stop anything. And that's what he said. We just couldn't stop anything that they were doing, yet it was it was pretty basic stuff. Like, they got to the edge, they used Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, yep. and they just depleted that Bears defense, all three levels, from the defensive line, linebackers, and the secondary. So it's that's what's frustrating, too. It's like we've, we've seen it in, in training camp, the hustle intensity that this defense played with in – Put your track shoes on, right? We all know mm-hmm. Eberflus was saying that they didn't put on their track shoes uh, on Sunday Night Football. They just they were just out leveraged, outplayed consistently, and you're wondering is that just a talent deficiency, or do they need to kind of go back even further to make sure that that's not going to be a reoccurring issue? Because, like Greg said, you know it was Elijah Mitchell got injured early in that game, and then the the 49ers rushing attack wasn't as effective. If he's in there and, you know, maybe that game goes a little differently, but we need to see this run defense step up. I just don't know right now, do the Bears have the personnel, the talent to ensure that doesn't become a reoccurring issue every single week? The problem with the defensive line, too, it's not just like I want them to make the tackles. Like, of course you do. You want them to be the players to end up bottling that thing up right away. However, what they're also doing is – diminishing the impact of Roquan Smith because they're not absorbing those double teams. They're allowing them to pretty much do those combo blocks shed and get to the second level. And the one thing we've known about Roquan Smith since the bears drafted him is that when he does get like an offensive guard on him or a tackle on him and they get a good block, he has a real difficult time shedding that block and making a play. So they're putting him in a you know disadvantage as well. So that too is like another way that just kind of like is a detriment to this Bears defense. Greg kept talking about, you know, you mentioned Kyler Gordon getting picked on both through the air and on the ground. When he played outside last night in base, he had his best plays there, whether it's the PBU in the end zone. Uh, There's another pass breakup that he had uh, on a route to Sammy Watkins underneath. Mm-hmm. Does, should he move outside permanently? And I'm asking that with the understanding of I don't know who the heck would actually play slot, and that's also a huge concern. No, that's a very valid concern, Will. And, you know, we had, like, some for show notes here, like, big-picture topics. Is too much? Is it too much for Kyler Gordon to handle right now? Being someone that plays inside and outside, you're putting a lot of expectations on the second-round draft pick, your first pick uh, for Ryan Poles, but – and I don't know. It, it seems like from what the coaching staff is saying that he can't handle all this, but that's a lot to put on, you know, a rookie. And obviously the we know that the Packers don't have the most talented wide receiver yet. If you watch that game and watch the, the reps with Kyler Gordon, you would think otherwise, right? Because of yeah. all the passes that were completed <laughs> against them. So, and I, and I put that in my notes because I wonder like if he just had one role as the outside corner, and just understanding this is my assignment. We know that Jalen Johnson's not flipping sides and go, you know, they're not swapping. It's like, I know I got this. Here's my assignment. Let me learn this. Cause that's a lot to ask. Like the, the responsibilities for the nickel corner are far different from the outside corner, especially when it comes to zone coverage. So 
Kyler Gordon's got a lot on his plate. Not to say that he can't handle it. I'm just wondering if he did was just asked to be that outside corner. And like you said, Will, that leaves the big question, who the hell is playing on the inside? I don't know, but it just seems like maybe, maybe that would be a better option. But then again, there would be a liability on the inside. So maybe Kyler Gordon at the expense of the entire team has to do both because he, right now he is the best option. Is it, is it weird to me? Like I know a lot, like he rightfully so he, he deserves some criticism after last night's game, but is it weird for me to not be too worried about it just based off the Bears history of developing corners? Like is like am is, is am I being am I not hating am I not being critical enough? Like I don't know. Like that's just no, kind of how I feel. No I think I'm, I I'm, I think I'm willing to wait it out cuz he is a rookie mm-hmm. like Nick said yeah. and I, I I don't know. I just the way that they've been able to to develop corners like Jalen Johnson for example I, I feel yeah. like there's a lot of upside it. there but yeah he has to play better like that, that that's that's yeah. a fact. this is what we <laughs> to, this is why we have to keep our expectations low you know I, I said it all offseason and then after one win in the rain I completely went against the grain <laughs> on what I told myself for six months but you know why would I listen to myself nobody else listens to me so you know it but no, there's no reason to hit the panic button on Kyler Gordon. Jaquan Brisker didn't have the greatest night either. Chase, you know, uh, we talk about, you know, uh, the Packers pushing the edges. Well, on that touchdown run, Aaron Jones, Jaquan Brisker is as late as you can possibly be to recognize it. Well, that's, I mean, you talk about base, you know, with Kyler Gordon. And Jaquan, I'm sure when it's just base, they're not moving. They can see what's right in front of them. They can recognize what's about to happen. They can make a play. When you start throwing things at them that they haven't really seen that much, that's when the rookie moments are going to happen. Uh, so, no, there's no reason to hit the panic button. Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker are very talented players. Uh, Dom Robb's a very talented player, but you're going to have, you know, welcome to the big leagues moments throughout the year. And that's why we have to just continue to remind ourselves this is a long way to go. This is a process. The foundation is being set. Ryan Poles seems like he understands how to draft, and that's a huge key. These are good players, but it's going to take time. They need reps. You don't get the kind of reps that you want to get in the preseason or training camp like you used to. It's not very physical. So these are the first couple games where they're really hitting pads and and getting full game reps. So it's going to take some time. These guys aren't going to become pro bowlers overnight. But they have that potential. So, yeah, Bears fans shouldn't be writing these rookies off by any means, Kyler Gordon included. Yeah, he got picked on. That's what Aaron Rodgers does. Mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers finds those guys, and he's going to go at you and see what you can handle. Hey, Kyler Gordon battled, as uh, uh, Will mentioned. He had a tackle on Aaron Jones in the backfield. He didn't miss all of his tackles. He missed a few uh, when the running back had a full head of steam. But at the same time, he's out there battling. It's not like he was showing a lack of effort. I mean, look at how he got beat. He almost got beat on a touchdown pass that almost was in the end zone. He recovers, knocks the ball down, and makes a great play. You know, so that that's what you want to see at this point. The recognizing of what they're trying to do against you will come in time. So, uh, you know, patience young grasshoppers <laughs> yeah uh, no with gordon too it's uh you mentioned the one play in the backfield he had a really impressive tackle like really early in this game like right in the middle in the heart of the defense and right gordon mm-hmm. on the tackle and i looked up at the screen it's like 
really? He's he's in there? And like I, I rewatched it today. I was like, oh yeah, number six is in there with like the rest of the defensive tackles making this play. And even the touchdown that he gave up was just a very difficult pass to defend. He was lined up in a slot with Alan Lazard, and I counted like one miss. I, I can't even get like a full Mississippi out before Rodgers released that ball and Lazard, his release off of the snap. It showed a little bit like he's going to go outside. So Gordon, you know, of course, was like shadowing and trying to get some of that leverage, which opened up, unfortunately, the inside. Andy Jackson wasn't able to recover to kind of help in that area of the field, too. And again, that ball was out before Lazard even broke in. It's just that chemistry that Rodgers and Lazard have that make that almost nearly impossible to defend. And for a rookie, I think that's even more so true. No, absolutely. Well, yeah, like like we're saying, no, no reason to be hit the panic button on these guys. And once they see more reps like Matty Rafflu said say they're invaluable like yes you're gonna mess up of course you're a rookie and you have a, a quarterback like that on the other side they're going to they're gonna test you and for the most part like the Packers won that and they should like that's that's a very high octane offense even despite not having the wide receivers they know where to go how to set people up but it's, now what he what Matty Rafflu told Kyler Gordon today he says like go back Watch the plays that you thought you didn't do well on. Put that in your your files. And then go back through those files. How do you go about winning that rep the next time so that when it happens on the game field, hey, you're you're one play better than you were before. That's how Matty Refluce is. And it's probably the biggest coach speak ever, like one play better, one percent, all that <laughs> stuff. And, you know, it, again, you can maybe roll your eyes at that. But honestly, that's what it's going to take. Just looking through each specific play, seeing how you can get better at that specific one so that it doesn't – you don't repeat it. And that's the thing you said. That's the thing about being a pro. You don't keep repeating the same mistakes. And if Kyler Gordon can get that, and I, I'm I'm pretty sure he, he can. He's a quick learner. That's why he's playing two positions right now on the defense. I'm sure he's going to be able to learn from it and, you know, ultimately become a better player. Yeah. Uh, guys, uh, I – I like to use baseball analogies since I am the Cubs guy. And sure. as a guy who's watching a team that has a bunch of rookies on it, and there's been guys who have come up from the minor leagues and have, uh, you know, showed some promise and have given me some sort of hope. I have to continuously tell myself, though, to not get too high or get too low on them because, like you guys have all said, they're going to go through those growing pains because they're rookies. So uh, I think – it's like that's like the best way you can really explain it is just if you're if you don't have the experience in the league it's just it's a different game for those guys until they mm -hmm. really get the reps until they really get the experience and and understand and, and just get comfortable playing in the nfl i mean the second game of their careers right like and they go up to lambo and play against one of the greatest <laughs> quarterbacks of all time like it's already bad enough having knowing that they're going to go do that and then knowing the history between the Bears and the Packers, especially recent history. Like, was, honestly, it's a lot of pressure to put on some rookies to go out there and, like, try and shut some guys down. So, mm -hmm. I I guess for me, I expected a little bit better, but that was because we were coming off that huge win against the 49ers. And that's on me. 
that's not on them, I guess. It's that's on me for having those expectations, and I that's kind of like what Bragg said getting up too high or getting too low. So, and, and I share um, some of the blame too, like we talked about earlier. I'm, I'm sorry for uh getting you optimistic, but that's just who I am. It's that's fine, it's crazy. Like, I've been a lifelong Bears fan to like a fault, and despite all the ups and downs, like, I can, I can find the silver linings, I can look at the glass half full, and I think that's uh. You know, good because you have to have some balance out here uh, in the world. And uh, exactly. But real yeah. quick, uh, we do need to pause quick timeout and we'll get back to the show here. But first, I want to let you know about Chi-Town Cornhole. Chi-Town Custom Cornhole, the number one cornhole provider for Chicago and Illinois since 2007. Their signature box style design can be digitally printed, covered in vinyl, and painted. Their cornhole bowl uh, boards come with built-in drink holders, recessed in on the back, LEDs that light up the hole, exterior handles for easy carrying, and handcrafted score keepers. Veteran-owned and operated, they can ship anywhere. They offer local pickups and specializing in corporate designs. Our company's ex-marketing or social event, wedding gifts, and gifts for all occasions, and especially for tailgaters and backyard barbecues these guys have seen the chco boards i have not been up since those have been made to actually look at them like do the pictures even do those justice because it looks badass (laughs) they're they're sick dude like i can't wait to get those out at the tailgate on on sunday those are those are awesome they that i do the pictures do them justice no they're that that Mm -hmm. awesome in person (laughs) i can't wait no greg and i have to play Greg and I have to play on that tailgate before I go. Too many people about this. (laughs) I know. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, Right before, yeah. So Will and I will be there at the tailgate, and might as well talk about it because we obviously we had the boards there, but the tailgate's gonna be awesome. So if you haven't, you know, check that out. Definitely go to allchio.com. You can find more information about it. But yeah, I have to play some bags before I head up to the press box in Soldier Field to, you know, see a Bears victory rebound here in Week Three against the Houston Texans, but. Looking forward to it too, yeah. Because uh, Greg, there's been a uh, been some. No, talk. I gotta, I gotta find a teammate because all I'm doing is trash talking everyone. So some somebody has to be my teammate though too. <laughs> so I gotta, I gotta figure this out before I. Uh, Brags, make, I'll be your teammate. Too many enemies. Are we just gonna I, split I, down the line here on, yeah, uh, on hey, Sunday morning? <laughs> yeah, there we go. I, I, yeah, I, let's I'll, go. I'm bringing, I'm bringing my girlfriend with me and a few other friends. But I mean, I, I will gladly play with you, man. I, I'm. I I love it's gonna be what four hours from eight to noon like there's plenty of time to play with other people. Yeah, my my wife's gonna be there too, but she's not allowed to be on my team because she can't throw. I need a ringer. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be I'll be too hard on her in front of you guys. I'm competitive. I can't help it. All right. Uh, some more details about this tailgate. If, in case you want to hang out with us, like I, I think you should. It's going to be a, a great time. So it's at the corner of Michigan and Roosevelt. And the ticket for our tailgate includes all you can drink beer, all you can eat food from local food trucks, all inclusive. And the parking ticket includes secure parking during the game with a quick walk to Soldier Field. I think it's only a 15 minute walk. So I'll be parking at the stadium, walking over to the tailgate, hanging out for a bit before I have to go back in. And well, you know, do, do my job, uh, which is kind of unfortunate because I'd rather, I think, just tailgate and have fun that morning. And here's a great graphic. And Nick said, like he, uh, Nick mentioned, you can head to allchshow.com and get all of the details. And we do have a link below in the description here on YouTube and your podcast player, too. So definitely check it out. But it's going to be a really good time full of not just your CHO Bears personalities getting to hang out with them and us, but also others like Cody. And I'm sure like almost not almost everyone, but like a large number of everyone at CHO is going to be there 
for our biggest and best tailgate yet. I know we've had one at a Sox game. We did one for the Fire and Red Stars, which was also great. But, you know, Bears tailgates just have a completely different feel. And Braggs is there, who is like the champion of tailgates. Yeah, I'm I'm a professional <laughs> tailgater, no doubt about it. Um, you know, and Bears uh, tailgates have a lot of tradition behind them. So I'm excited for CHGO to kind of put their mark on that. You know, um, I did see somebody had asked uh, CHGO on Twitter, like, will the, will there be any alcohol besides beer? Cause I don't drink beer. And, and they said that there will be. So, you know, if you're not a beer drinker, there will be other options. there. are going to have a food truck bags, a few different games. We'll have a DJ there. My guy, Trey tunes. I'm excited for that. He's a, Really good dude and a really good DJ. He's going to be there. Uh, and, you know, when we say a 15-minute walk, like if you're parked in the back of South Lot and you have to walk all the way to the stadium from there, it's a very similar walk mm. distance-wise. And you can't get in South Lot. Like South Lot, if you go on a secondary market and try to get a parking ticket, it's like $350. Wow. If I went on StubHub right now, because those nice. tickets are – people own those for the season. So those parking spots by the stadium – are not available. So if you're trying to park and you you're just coming for one game and you have an opportunity to come over to our tailgate, it's a one-stop shop. You've got the parking spot, you've got, you know, all you can eat, all you can drink, it's all there. So you ain't got to bring all that crap with you. You can just we are going to have it set up for you and all the entertainment and and obviously we can you can hang out with us. So please come on out. Uh it's going to be the first one, so there's going to be a, uh, you know, a large contingent there, a lot of people hanging out and shaking hands and getting smoked in bags. Come on out and, and see if you see if you got some game. Uh, I think the website you mentioned to get that parking pass, they may be expensive. So sh- people should look at game time to get those cheaper tickets for oh. the game. I don't know if they do parking passes, but I just wanted to throw that extra plug in there <laughs> yeah. for a great partner of ours. Uh, one more yeah, thing. Parking is limited too in our lot. So you know, I'm not sure if those uh, are sold out or not, but you know, um, Make sure you look into that because there is that upgrade edition. Good point there, Greg. One thing about tailgates that I actually just remembered, Nick, we the first day we met in person, we went to a Bears tailgate. Yeah, that that was a day that um I somewhat remember. Yeah. I was gonna was say we were we were literally we just turned 21 that year, and oh, wow. it was uh we were doing our podcast and got invited to a tailgate and we just walked up, didn't know what to expect. And like, Hey, you don't have to pay us anything. Yeah. All you can eat, all you can drink. That's dangerous for some two 21 year olds heading into a bears game. All you can drink. And he didn't want to pay the $9 a beer there. So yeah, like you, <laughs> that was the bears and was Jaguars. A, yeah. Who was the quarterback of that game? Was it uh Oh, it was a uh, Hoyer, Brian Hoyer, right? Like, so that's probably, probably wow. I had a good time at the tailgate. Hoyer era. <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah, that was a, uh, that was a really good time. I'm, I'm glad that. What was your favorite uh, part of the Brian Hoyer era, guys? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Good question. <laughs> I think he had a 300 yard game somewhere in there. <laughs> I find myself waking up to saying the Cody-isms to myself. You know, what was your favorite part of this era? Or I'm ready to be hurt again. Like you, you, you're just so consistent with them. They are drilled within my my mind space, and I wake up thinking these Cody-isms every day. It's like it's like Yogi Berra. You know, it warms Cody. warms my heart. But I I I. I they Instead are of like, Yogi Berra. It's Cody Berra. They are my like, things, but. I, I wish I wish I had more hope for our Chicago sports teams. That way, I didn't have to tweet. I'm ready to be hurt again because that's, <laughs> that's basically what it's behind. Is that I'm just 
Like, uh, there's just not a lot of good teams in the city, man. Like, I'm just like, it's hard for me to like get up and be excited about them sometimes. So, still a seven-seven game there between yeah, the, the scoring and the down. Titans. So yeah, yeah I'm, now, now I'm looking smart again, guys. Here we yep. go. Yep, <laughs> that was like that under is looking really, really good. Yeah. What a trend to hop on if you haven't yet. Maybe there's still a little bit time for uh, that next game kicks off between the Vikings and Eagles here in 15 minutes. Nick, you were at Hallis Hall here today, and you sprinkled in knowledge throughout the entire episode here this evening. Is there anything that you haven't really hit on from your time at Hallis Hall that you know our listeners should know here today? You know, we kind of talked about Justin Fields and the lack of passing attempts. So Matt Eberflus was asked today, do you trust Justin? Do you trust him to kind of run this offense? And, of course, you're not going to get, like, a crazy answer from Matt Eberflus, but he said, yeah, we of course we trust him. And kind of echoing what I said earlier that, you know, the game plan last night was to really run the football, but they trust Justin Fields. And I think you're saying that we just – I think we need to see it in the game plan. You know, obviously you have the Houston Texans in week three. Maybe if you give him a little bit more opportunities to, you know, get the ball in his hands and to distribute to his playmakers. I mean, you see Justin make the plays, but that was something that, um, you know, Matty Refus was asked today. We talked about the rotation at guard. So they're, the big thing with Mondays, too, is like they, they go over the film. They have this 24-hour period. Like the Bears, the, they'll be off tomorrow. So they have the day off on Tuesday. But when it comes Wednesday, it's like, all right, everything we we looked at the film it's time to move on to week three and you know it's it's a quick turnaround uh it, whatever the score was like obviously the bears won last week the 1910 didn't obviously go into their favor this week but the scores are the scores and now come wednesday let's get back to practice move on forward get ready for week three in the houston texans but nothing too big from from matt eberflus today uh, Equinemius St. Brown was somebody else that he actually spoke first in the media, which is uh, a little different, a little weird. Um, but there was this play going viral on Twitter on where Justin Fields takes a check down. It's the first possession of the third quarter where, you know, Fields, it looks like he's looking to the right and Equinemius has his right hand up, like wide open, uh, could, could be a touchdown. And what he was saying on that play is that, he actually ran a different route than what was called. He's supposed to run a curl, but he said he beat the defender so bad. He's like, I'm just going to go for, you know, a vertical route. And that's something that they call a mailbox in, in their offense, where you can just kind of adjust the play as the play is going on. And Equinemius was saying that we hadn't really even practiced that. And that was like really the first opportunity that it ever happened. So none of the practice scenarios – um, replicated exactly what happened in that game. And that was one of my other points in, in, in the show notes that I had today. It's like this offense is passing offense still has a long way to go. Like, obviously there's still things are still learning. They got to get that down. Obviously fields need to still be able to assess when is a player going to do that. And when they do it, be on the right page, be able to deliver the football. But overall, there's still so much we need to learn and so do the players about what Luke Getzey's passing offense really is. And 28 total attempts in two games, you're not going to know it, right? So that's just another little wrinkle. And, yes, we see it. Like, it, it looks clear and obvious that, you know, should, Fields should go there with the ball, but it wasn't scheduled. That That's kind of an on, on you know, it happened right then and there on the play. So that, that was a, another big takeaway. But just hearing that from Equinemius today – just made me reinforce like 
the thought in my head that, yeah, this is game two in a new offense, second coordinator for Justin Fields. There's still so much to learn. So I know we can maybe get on, on the offense yesterday for what it didn't do, but it's still only the second regular season game for Luke Getze and this offense that has a rotating right guard that has wide receivers in and out that still hasn't really incorporated Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. So still a lot to build on, but you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a process and this is just the early parts of that. How many, yeah. How many catches did Sam Brown end up having? Two. Well, I'm saying, yeah. and it was like on that first drive, the first offensive drive, I'm assuming, right? The you got the one on the one first one. one. Yeah. Okay. I just remember tweeting, like, I can't say his first name. How do you say his first name, Nick? Equinemius. All right. EQ. I just remember. I just ESB. remember tweeting. Just stick with I just, ESB. <laughs> I just remember tweeting ESB revenge game after the first catch, and then like then he died, and I'm like, ah, I, I I jinxed it. My bad, guys. Uh, but I, the, I basic basically what I'm getting at is uh, that is a little encouraging that it, like because a lot I've heard a lot of fans on social media and even in the chat where they're like, you know, they're not getting separation, this and that. And like you just described a moment where he did and, you know, mm -hmm. just the lack of reps, the lack of getting, you know, being together, you like knowing each other, right? Like mm -hmm. once they get to that point, may, hopefully you get more of that and then, then you get more, right? Like that, that's what you have to hope as a fan. So I that is to me the way that you just explained to me, Nick. Like that's encouraging to me because uh, it, well, it, it just goes gives me show, a little bit more optimism. It just goes to show you how we can all sit here and Monday morning quarterback everything like we know what's going on, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in that locker room or what they're doing, uh, talking about in film review. Review, and I'm glad that you you got this out of them, Nick. As far as it's an audible called in the middle of the play, and so we can screenshot it and show how ESB has his hand up, and it makes Justin Fields look like a total fool. But unless you truly understand the context behind the why of what he why he didn't throw it, and I know we want to avoid the naggyisms, uh, put the dollar in the naggy jar for saying his name, but it's the truth. Like, in, if, unless you understand the reason for what happened there, you're kind of speaking out of turn. So I'm glad they elaborated on that, and it just highlights the whole point of patience. These guys have not played together. There are moments that are going to come like that where, you know, yeah, we want Justin Fields to grip it and rip it, but he's got to have that chemistry and be able to see that and, and be on the same page. As soon as it happens in the instant moment, you know, in the middle of, you know, the pass rush coming right at him. So, you know, uh, these are the things that I think fans underestimate that makes us an offense successful. So, I'm glad you we we got that tidbit of information today out of House Hall. So thank you, Nick. Great Absolutely. job. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. One one thing that just hurt that offense too was once they went down early in the game, they were just Nick mentioned off schedule in that one play, but they were just off schedule in general, going behind the sticks and having to work their way back. Mm -hmm. Just do that all those negative plays and for an offense that's going through obvious growing pains, making it more difficult to gain a first down is not going to do it. Justin had some time, but unfortunately, like either he couldn't find the open man, no one was either open, and then the lot, you know, the pressure finally got to him, and he had to either find something to do. It it just was not good, and and the Bears were able to extend those drives, just even a couple of them, and move the chains. He would have saw more passing attempts. I, I guarantee you would have. It's just they didn't have the plays to do it, and then the second half, 
they realize, you know, we still have enough time. We can still run the ball and get back in this football game. And it was working so well. Eight yards a pop, nine yards a pop. Montgomery, I don't know what the hell he was eating that day, but I think even Justin said that. Mm -hmm. But, like, it was incredible, like, to see the moves that he was able to string together. And it's, I think those were actually, like, one of the best runs I've seen out of him in his time here in Chicago. So I can understand why you would want to lean on that a little bit if it's working really, you know, that well. Nick, speaking of running – the uh, you know the running game you did some deep dive uh, on some fullback stuff here and i started this comment i feel like an hour ago you know more fullback plays you know kari is a beast from alex can you give us some stats to kind of put some things in perspective yeah guys so on the very first drive the only touchdown drive of the game kari blasting game was featured four of those plays one of them was the the fumbled snap but the last three plays um 13-yard gain for David Montgomery, a nine-yard gain from David Montgomery, then a three-yard touchdown run. So it's looking good for the Bears. They're running the ball, getting touchdowns. It's all, you know, maybe it's a different uh, story at Lambeau Field after that first drive. Obviously, we know that wasn't the case, but it it didn't it didn't make sense what Luke Getze did afterwards, So Kahari blasting game didn't get featured in the offense until six minutes and 40 seconds left in the third quarter. And I'm not saying that Kahari blasting game is just this huge game changer, but it seemed like Luke Getze adjusted to what the Packers were going to do against the, you know, this 21 personnel before they actually adjusted because he already took out the fullback. And then eventually when they started implementing Kahari blasting game for the 13 total snaps that he played, here's how the other games went for the times he was on the field. A six-yard gain, an 11-yard gain, 14-yard gain, all runs, by the way, 28 by David Montgomery, 27-yard gain by Khalil Herbert, 6-4, and then you had, like I said, the fumble, and there was a sack and an incompletion, but he was plus 110 yards when Kahari game was out there. And it just, for me, did not make sense when, I after that first drive, they didn't feature him in the offensive game plan until six minutes and 40 seconds left in the third quarter. We know the Bears want to run the football. That's the, they, We've heard it since the beginning, and it was working, the very first drive. And then for some reason, they, they, went, away, they went away from it. You had the three consecutive three and outs in that second, in the second quarter to end the half. So not good stuff, but I hope that the Bears go back to, you know, pounding the rock, using Kahari Blasting Game as that, that fullback, that lead block, and letting David Montgomery do what we all know he's capable of. Because, like you said, Will, that comment from Justin Fields, whatever he ate, uh, I'm pretty sure he he's still got plenty left uh, to show this season. But I think we need to see Gahari Blasting game being featured more in this offense because clearly good things happen. That's yeah, what I, I was thought, saying. Go ahead, Greg. No, I, I just thought it was a fantastic tweet. It, it, at, at last night when we did our blame game segment on the postgame show, I said the run game, and somebody in the comments after the show was over said, uh, you know, Bragg saying the run game was – blame game was an absolute joke. Well, what you just highlighted, and I thought it was a fantastic tweet, just really elaborated what I was trying to say because it wasn't just a fullback. David Montgomery had a great first drive, and they seemed to have gone away from him until the second half when he got off. So they work hand in hand, right? And the thing that really stood out to me about the fullback and how he affected – you know, the second half almost comeback. I know we're throwing almost parades over here as Bears fans, but it was impressive that drive. They got all the way down the field without throwing the ball. And when they put the fullback in motion, 
you would think, you know, oh, the Packers know what we're trying to do. Let's run a little misdirection because they're just going to stack the box and try to stop this. Well, they ran motion and followed the fullback every single time, and Green Bay could not stop it. Between the fullback setting that initial block to set up David Montgomery to hit the hole and David Montgomery's relentless running. So, you know, for those guys to do that really stood out, and then to get down on the goal line and go away from what got you there obviously pissed off all Bears fans and had us shaking our heads. I understand there's people that can put out the the PFF percentage stats. Yeah, I'm a meatball. I failed math. I walked out of my Algebra <laughs> 2 first day of senior year. So I'm not the math guy. I just keep it simple, stupid. And so you get on the goal line, get your fullback under, you know, in the eye formation and jam that thing home. I'd much rather see that than what they tried to do in shotgun. So, you know, I thought it was a fantastic tweet by you. You know, our last coach, not going to say his name because I don't want to put another dollar in the jar, said, I didn't come here to run the I formation. What we saw in the preseason was a fullback implemented in this offense, two tight end sets, power, power, power. That's going to be what sets up Justin Fields for, you know, play action and opening things up in the passing game. People act like you got to – that's what we tried with the last quarterback and head coach, dropping back 50 times and making them figure it out. You got to have a balanced attack. You got to play off the run game until the quarterback is ready to lead this team. That's the path to success. Use the fullback again and again and again next week or we riot. That's exactly it. If you want more passing attempts, it's weird, like, but you actually need to run the ball more to allow those to happen. Like the identity of this offense should be run first, heavily run first, and then utilize, like you said, play action, move the pocket, and give Justin Fields some easy throws and reads to work with. If they're not doing that, they're not like adhering to their true selves and they're trying to be something that they're not. And that's not going to help this offense succeed this season. So I agree with everything you said there. Greg, I would love to see this Bears team next week against Levy Smith's defense focus on the ground of pound play action and get some things done through the air off of that instead of having it completely in Justin Fields' hands out of shotgun. Speaking of the Texans, uh, last uh, yesterday they squandered a fourth quarter lead, so they're oh one and one. Uh, the defense, I'm looking at them, they allowed some yards, but they are the fourth best red zone defense right now, only allowing touchdowns like twenty. 8% of trips inside the 20. And so you're keeping, you know, the scores low. I mean, I expect that from a Levy Smith coach team, their offense, not super potent, but I know Nick, you and I starting tomorrow, Wednesday, we're going to start doing our homework here on the Texans getting ready for our Thursday afternoon weekly game preview show. But just based off what you've seen and heard, are the Texans posing maybe a slightly bigger threat than we thought heading into the season? Like, do they worry you more now than maybe like in the training camp or preseason when we're just kind of looking at the schedule? Anybody? I uh, think so. Yeah, ahead, I'd say so. Ahead. I, I uh, you know, here, here's from a gambling standpoint, because I took the Texans to cover week one and they were seven point dogs against the Colts. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't know if the Texans would win but i thought they would be in that game just because i just didn't know how matt ryan was going to do in his first game with the colts um they end up tying which is to me is telling me they played better than even what i expected as a guy who bet on them to to just lose by seven or less uh or win obviously um and then last week i, I think last week's game is more about the broncos than it is them but 
overall, I, I can just say that I think that they are better than what we expected. Um, but I still think they're going to finish as one of the worst teams in the league. I just think they're going to be a little bit more competitive. If that makes any sense. It makes a, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I, I just know, like, obviously this defense that the bears are running, going to look very similar to what we're going to see on Sunday from the Houston Texans, right? With Lovey Smith being, being the, the guy there. So I just think that, you know, it's going to be tough, and especially how this offense has looked for the Bears, knowing that that's the offense going against a defense that they've been practicing against. But still, it's going to be something that, you know, come Sunday, it's it's going to be – points are going to be hard to come by, I have a feeling, for both teams. So it's going to be probably one of those – you know, whoever can grind it out, have that mental stamina that, that Matt Eberflus talks about, and we'll see the Bears can, you know, obviously come on the winning end of that. But, yeah, for sure, going into this into the season, I thought it was like, okay, you can pencil that as, like, one of the few Ws that the Bears will get this year. Now, I still have that that feeling initially. So, again, we're going to do all the prep throughout the week uh, to get you prepared for Thursday. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a little tough. I mean, for me, it's um, I'm nervous now. I was excited for the Packer game because we were playing with house money, and I like that when you're the underdog and you're playing with nothing to lose. And that was why I felt like the Bears were in a good spot, and I got smacked in the mouth with that mindset. Now, <laughs> you know, I'm like a beaten, beaten down dog here going into this week, and I, I, you know, I feel like you know, spoiler alert, I'm not trying to give away my picks yet, but you know, I feel like I'm gonna pick the Bears to win this game, but I'm much more nervous about it now going in. Because it isn't house money anymore. You know, I mean, obviously big picture wins and losses don't matter as much as the development. But also, I mean, I think the wins are important to keep this momentum of wanting to buy into the hits philosophy and the system offensively that Luke Getzey's trying to run. You know, so to get some of these wins in winnable games that they have coming up early in the season because the second half of their schedule is absolutely brutal to me is very important. So I'm nervous about this game going in. But I think the word is adjustments. That was the word coming out, the word of the day coming out of week one. And they really puffed their chest out talking about how they made adjustments, not just at halftime, but series to series. And they were pre- prepared coming in. Eberflus was talking a big game about how they're going to be the most prepared team. And Mark Carmen was like, slow down there, Matt. You know, I mean, it's okay to be confident, but you don't have to announce yourself as the smartest guy in the room. And, and I get where he's coming from because now you've gotten smacked in the mouth. So it's it's good to talk a big game when you win week one, and that's fine. Everyone should feel good about themselves after a win like that in the rain. But this is where the, the rubber meets the road. It's money on the table time now for this coaching staff. They want to go back and look at some things after getting beat down essentially last night, even though the Bears didn't let go of the rope and made it a little bit of a game at the end of the night. Credit to them for that at the very least. But now you have to make these adjustments like we talked about, you know, uh, staying with the run game. Don't uh, If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Adjustments to the passing game to get Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet involved in this offense once and for all. Adjustments defensively. How are we going to start stop the run? There's a lot they have to attack now this week heading into the Texans game at home. Thank God it's at home. That'll help. You know, because, uh, you know, that road environment, I'm sure Nick can speak to it, you know, for these young guys in a new offense and everything else. That's tough because you got the cadence at the line of scrimmage. Now you've got the home field advantage. That's going to help these guys in with the confidence. I mean, 
a uh, great quote from that first week was like, oh, the house was shaking. Can you like that's the kind of stuff that invigorates a team? You know, the fans do have an impact in that way. So uh positively and negatively if you're on the road. So we'll have that positive impact to help bring the heat from the stands. So uh there's a lot to to think about and I'm excited to dig deeper into it. I'm excited for you guys to come out with what you guys have as far as going into this game. Cause that's how I'm going to base how I'm picking this game. And uh, I don't like that. I'm one and one. I was feeling so good after my one and oh prediction, but it's too hard for me to pick against the bears, but I got to do it some weeks. I just don't yep. know if it'll be this week. I'll just say I'm, I'm on points bet right now. And I'm looking at the opening spread and it's at three right now. I don't know if it opened at three. I assumed it did, but um when it's three, that basically means that at least when Vegas sets it at that, it's basically like a toss up. Like that's basically what they're saying, um, which makes sense because both these teams, they don't have high expectations for this year. Right. So um, I, I don't think, I guess my point here is bears fans shouldn't go into this game thinking that this is an automatic W like mm-hmm. if, if Vegas thinks that this game is going to be close, I'm leaning to think that this game is going to be close. They're not wrong very often. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if the game is ugly and, you know, it's one that you don't want to remember too much, the good news is we're having a tailgate. All you can drink and all you can eat. And that Absolutely. way you can pregame, enjoy your morning, and we'll see what the afternoon holds. But I just want to thank everyone who did watch tonight's edition of CHGO Bears After Dark. If you haven't yet, please smash that like button for us. Uh, we really do appreciate that. It helps us spread the word, spread the show around. And uh, I think sharing is caring, uh, to be honest. But Nick and I, I know we'll see you guys together on Thursday. Nick, uh, you're going to be popping on the show throughout the week. Uh, but I'm going to go you know, into the woodworks here and start my preparations for Thursday so we can have another kick-ass game preview episode. I'll see you then. And, of course, I'll see you on Sunday morning. But until Thursday, bear down, Chicago. <laughs>